Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. All right, Luke chapter 1. Let's look at the text beginning in verse 26. I always read out of the New King James Version. There's nothing holy about a particular version. It's the Word of God that's holy. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. By the way, do you think angels disappeared? Old and New Testament give us evidence that angels are still at work. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us about what angels do in the New Testament age. They are dispatched by God the Father to render service for those who believe. Without you seeing it or even being aware of it, there are myriads, myriads, myriads of holy angels, spirit beings, who are not only in the heavenlies but also on the earth, at the bid of God the Father, rendering service on your behalf. How might that look? There are times that had it not been for the intervention of angels, you would have had a severe, maybe even deadly wreck. There are times when, for whatever reason that made no sense whatsoever, there were angels at work on behalf of God the Father to get things into the very vision line of decision makers that had to do with you that... God was at work to fulfill a promise way beyond your comprehension that he was also using angelic beings to get it done. You don't pray to angels. You never worship angels. They are servants, listen, of God the Father and of you the believer. The epistles say that we shall judge angels. And what is man that thou hast created him? Geographically a little lower than the angels. But how many of you know that principalities, powers, and world forces of this darkness have been put under the feet of Jesus and therefore under the feet of all who are in Jesus? And that's you. As a believer, by faith, through the grace of God. So an angel spoke a mighty word to a virgin, verse 27, betrothed. Betrothal in that day was as solid as marriage. It was just as good as marriage in that if the vows were broken or someone was impregnated outside of that betrothal, they were according to the Old Testament law, could actually be stoned to death. It was a big deal. She was betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. 
Isn't it a little interesting that sometimes the voice of the Lord will tell us to rejoice when we're scared out of our wits? Sometimes it's a little difficult to rejoice when we're frightened, isn't it? Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed, supernaturally empowered are you among women. God is sending you a special message of how blessed and special you are. In verse 29, here's her response. But when she saw him, she was troubled. The word in the Greek is diatorasso. It means also not only troubled, it means confused and disturbed. Wow. Sometimes when God begins to speak to you, your first response might be confusion, troubling, or even being disturbed. You'd be in good company. And then the angel, verse 30, said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Now the word afraid there is from the word phobo. To be afraid. Phobio. And it means not only to be afraid, but it also means to run, to take flight. Sometimes when the Lord wants to speak to us, our first response is to get away. I don't, I don't want to hear that. Right? So we're still in good company. Do not be afraid. She was troubled, and the angel said, do not take flight. Don't run. Would to God that when the Lord wants to speak to us, we wouldn't run away, that we would draw near. That we wouldn't back away so fast because we don't want to hear what he's saying, but we would run too and seek to hear more closely. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That word favor is the Greek word charis. It is the word we translate most of the time grace. Grace has to do with God's supernatural favor. The Lord was telling her, you have been chosen. You've been chosen by God Almighty. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob. Everybody say in the New Testament, that's me. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I do not know a man. I've never been sexually intimate with a man. How can I be impregnated? How can I bear a child? The angel answered and said to her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born shall be called the Son of God. 
If you want further evidence, your relative Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. She's already six months along for her who used to be called barren. For with God, nothing, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. You know what she was saying? Okay, be it done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word from God to Mary was, you're chosen. Did you know that if you're in Christ, you are too? That God chose you before the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1, 3, that you'd be holy and righteous and blameless before Him in Christ. Mary was no more special than you. She, her assignment was incredibly special. But her identity was no more special than yours. Chosen by God, seeing every choice we would ever make before we were ever born and choosing us anyway because He loved us and wanted us. Notice Mary was given this word, this will happen through grace. That supernatural favor of God will do things you can't do. How Mary wanted to know, that's the question I ask a lot, don't you? How am I going to do this? How will I ever get out of this? How will I ever go there? Here's the answer, verse 35, the Holy Spirit. Are you giving the Holy Spirit enough credit? You know, without faith it's impossible to please God, and faith is what releases that which God has already decided and provided. But it's the Holy Spirit who's the active agent of the Godhead who gets it done in time and space. Are you short-circuiting the Holy Spirit's ability to get you a new customer that you desperately need? Do you not believe that He's at work to will and to do of His good pleasure? Do you not believe that He could go out there and bring in who you need? Are you short-circuiting His ability to do that on your behalf? Do you not believe that the Holy Spirit can turn every situation around, those people you've prayed for for years and years and years, who not only seem to not be getting anywhere, but, be seem, but seem to be getting worse, do you not believe that the Holy Spirit can turn that around, that He can bring conviction, and that He can do what He did for Lydia in the New Testament and open their hearts to believe? Do you not believe that the Holy Spirit is big enough and strong enough and mighty enough to overcome every obstacle and every argument to bring into the kingdom of God those for whom you have labored for so long? Don't short circuit the Holy Spirit. Do you not believe that the Holy Spirit can bring, can wake people up with you on their mind to get in partnership with you in whatever realm of need that you need. Do you not believe that the Holy Spirit can work in believers and through non-believers to accomplish the mighty will of God? Do you not believe that as you pray, that as you don't even know how to pray as you ought, that the Holy Spirit can, tell, can say to Jesus exactly what's needed, and Jesus can say to the Father, work all these things for your good according 
to your mighty grace and power. Working all things together for good. Do you not believe that the Holy Spirit is that mighty agent of the Godhead who is at work in you and for you right now? Not to believe that is negligence on our part to connect. To connect with a walking, talking, living, breathing, sharing relationship with the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants us to walk in such a way, and I'm crying out for this in my own life, that we begin to all the time recognize His presence in us and with us and for us. The Holy Spirit. No wonder the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to accomplish this. Now, wait a minute. You have given me an assignment, and there's no way that that can be done in the natural because I've never known a A child doesn't just come without the deposit of seed in the wound by mail. That is, you can't do that. But Mary said, but Mary was told the Holy Spirit. What seems impossible to you today? Write a list. And then factor in the Holy Spirit. Factor in the Holy Spirit. Dean and I were able this week, and we're able all the time. It's an ongoing assignment of our lives these days to stare into a family grief-stricken with no answers and be able to say somehow, some way, you will see tomorrow. It won't look the same. It won't feel the same. But how many of you know sometimes success is only defined by getting up the next day? Sometimes success is not whether or not you're able to jump around and say praise the Lord in a getting fashion all the time. Sometimes success, sometimes that resurrection power of Jesus is just defined by getting up and saying, here I am, Lord. I'm totally dependent on you today. His strength is perfected in our weakness. So how do we deal with this thing called fear? Have you noticed that this time of year fear is rampant? Have you noticed? You know why, don't you? I believe the Holy Spirit gave me insight on this some time back. There's so much tragedy and heartache around this time of year. And there are several reasons that we can pick out in the natural. Well, it's because there's so much pressure on people. There's relational pressure. You know, anytime, look, anytime you operate in the context of community and family, stuff's going to come to the surface you've got to deal with. But I want to tell you, I've been doing this a long time. It, what, I think what is grievous to the Lord is those who continue to love anonymity in, a, in, in the context of a church family. That's not effective.
Every one of us, every one of us have challenges when we're around those closest to us. It's those closest to you that are always going to give you the greatest challenge, greatest opportunity to trust the Lord, to walk in grace. Of course. You know why? Because that's not casual. That's covenant. And covenant always requires the intimacy of shedding blood. Covenant's always cut in the context of bloodshed. You're going to have to suffer some to have something that valuable in the context of family. Why is that? Because it's redemptive in purpose. The heart of God is redemptive. He didn't suffer for no reason. He did it on behalf of somebody else. Didn't Jesus suffer on behalf of his children, me and you? Why should we think that we never have to do any of that? The truth of the matter is that which is most valuable to God and to you requires working through some stuff. And if you've got one of those situations or relationships where you don't ever have to work through some stuff, you're actually dead. You just don't know it. I hope you're in the right place. Relationships at this time of year bring stuff to the surface. Financial pressure brings this to the surface. But you know what? The Lord revealed this to me, another reason why there's so much destruction this time of year. What happened around the initial coming of the wonderful gift of Christmas, God's Holy Son? What happened in the world in which he lived? What did, not the Roman government, but what did the religious leaders of Israel do? Namely, King Herod. What did he do? He made a decree that every little child under two years of age should be exterminated. Remember that? Yes or no? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When there's a celebration of the light, there is an attack on the anointing. The spiritual reason why there's so much death and difficulty around this period is because of the celebration of the light and the attack on the anointed one, the coming of that light. So prepare yourself. Gird yourself in your inner man with he who has the power over death. Dispel darkness in the authority of the name of Jesus and the Word of God and holy worship and community of the saints. But don't be ignorant. Because you see, ignorance leads to negligence and negligence leads to theft. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does a lot of his great work, most effective work, during this season. The door that opens to the destruction of the enemy is one of the biggest doors is fear. You know what fear is, don't you? Let me put it to you simply. Fear is when you have thoughts and even emotions that project an outcome that you don't want. 
It's the projecting in your mind, in the screen of your mind, an outcome that you don't want. And you try to do, you try to protect yourself from that outcome. You try to overcome and work through that outcome. You try to hide where you're weak so that you don't have to have the outcome that is being projected in your mind. Sometimes fear comes when we take responsibility to change something you can't change. You can't change your children. You can't change your wife. You can't even change yourself. Can you? I can't. I have to have the Holy Spirit to do it and cooperate with Him. Fear rises when we think we've got to fix it. When we're not capable of fixing it. It attacks our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. And why is that? To keep our spirit man from functioning properly. Remember, the Holy Spirit lives where? In your human spirit. Well, when fear is operating in your mind and in your feelings, your emotions, and when you begin to act out of fear, that blocks your spirit from operating perfectly under the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because fear and the Spirit of God repel one another. They fight against each other. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. And now what is love? The essence of God's character, right? God is love. So fear keeps me from connecting with the Holy Spirit in His love, His grace, His power. It is not faith that overcomes fear. It's revelation of God's love. It's perfect love that casts out fear. And so what I need to do is ask God for greater revelation of that perfect love. So that I might be a receiver and in turn be a carrier. i got to be a receiver before I can become a carrier. Look, I know this is not grandma's Sunday school class, but we've got to get hold of these things. God, give us revelation of the love of God. Fear. Fear stops our spirit man from working correctly because it is the heart of God. Love is the heart of God, and fear keeps us from walking in love. So what do I do? What did the angel tell Mary? He told her not to be afraid, but then he told her, what was going to take place. He didn't give her all the details. He just said, the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you something? When you're crying out to God to show you what to do, what if the only thing He tells you is the Holy Spirit? You ever been in a place like that? Raise your hand. Three of us. You'll get there. The Holy Spirit, desperate dependence on Him. How do I do it? When fear attacks, what do I do? First of all, get your bearings. And you do that by asking a question deep in your own heart. Ask yourself in your heart and with your own mouth, is this true? Is this fear, is this projected outcome, 
If what I am fearing is going to happen to me, to my family, my income, my health, my marriage, if what, is what I am fearing going to happen, is this true based on the revelation of what God's Word says? Is it true? Secondly, and by the way, that's how you arrest. That's how you arrest and how you take every thought captive. It begins without one step. Ask, is this true? Challenge it. Number two, make your stand. When you see that there are thoughts and projections and even visuals of what you don't want to happen that brings about fear, make your stand. Make the decision to trust in the Lord. Say it out loud. I will trust in you, Lord. Say it out loud. I will trust in you, Lord. Psalm 56 is a great, you ought to write down Psalm 56 and get hold of it. It's a great fear buster. Verse 3 verse of chapter 56. Whenever I am afraid, I will, that is as an act of my will, I will trust in you. When fear begins to rise up, when you begin to think about what you don't want to happen, when you're, with your company, with your family, with your finances, with your health, whatever it is, when fear begins to give you those images, ask yourself, is this true? Then make your stand. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I make the decision to trust. Well, pastor, does that mean that uh, God will immediately speak to you and tell you exactly what He's going to do and when. No, He didn't say. Remember what He said, when I am afraid, I will trust. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Trust comes when you're not hearing anything, you just Trust his faithful track record. You're never going to be a champion disciple until you trust. It comes with an act of our will. I will trust in you. God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I hear all these things. I feel all these things. But I trust in you. Psalm 34 also is a wonderful passage on dealing with our fears. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Not only ask, not only trust, but walk forward. Be aggressive. Don't retreat. You've got to take a stand and you have got to fight the fight of faith by the Holy Spirit's power, trusting in Him as an act of your will by faith. And don't retreat. Remember, resist the devil and he will eventually flee from you. Didn't say he'd do it immediately, but he always will eventually. That's the promise of the Word of God. Walk forward, be aggressive. Don't retreat. And guess what? One of the things that's going to really cause fear to run over you like a truck is if you have such pride that you won't admit and seek your need for reinforcement. Reinforcement. 
one, two, or three people that you absolutely trust, that you can tell them anything and they'd still love you just the way you are. What a treasure. What a treasure. Seek the reinforcement of prayer. Seek the reinforcement of those who love you and counsel. Seek the reinforcement of professional counsel if and when you need it. And don't be, look, seek reinforcement for this thing called fear. Get involved in worship in the Word of God. And be involved in a, at large, in a small group. One to three people of people that you trust who will cover you in prayer. Do you have that covering? Do you have the covering of somebody who's watching out for your highest and best who prays for you daily? Do you have that communion that you can share anything about your own failures and know you're going to be loved just the same after you share it as when before you did? How many of you know that when we're really, really weak and vulnerable, fear has its best opportunity to get us by the neck? And I want to say something to you. Dina showed me this yesterday, and it really pierced me. I wrote it on your outline at the bottom. Sometimes you don't realize you're actually drowning when you're trying to be everyone else's anchor. I want you to take that to heart. That is so true. Sometimes you don't realize you're actually drowning when you're trying to be everybody else's anchor. Have some time between you and the Lord to be renewed and refreshed. Draw some boundaries. I can't and I won't try to fix everybody. God hadn't called me to be the Savior. He's called me to be a son and daughter. And ask the Lord to help you through the Holy Spirit to become aware of the difference between bearing one another's burdens, weeping with those who weep, and without knowing it, spending all kind of internal energy trying to, to, trying to fix it for them. Some of us have a lot of issues with that. We're, we're pretty... And what happens to us is we find ourselves getting very, very fatigued and we don't know why. We just think, well, we ought to always be others-oriented. Can I tell you something? That is not true nor biblical. God said to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love others as much as you love yourself. So you've got to learn to love yourself before you can really love others the way he wants you to. And that means taking some time away. It means backing off. 
It means running the risk of hurting somebody's feelings. It means running the risk of somebody being disappointed in you because you've always fixed it and now you didn't do it. But remember that we can get so fatigued trying to fix everybody that we are very vulnerable to fear because we're just worn out. Remember, your spirit man is constantly repelling fear, and fear is fighting your inner man because that's where the love of God has been poured out in your heart by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5, 5. Holy, the love of God's already inside of you. It's in your spirit man. Fear is fighting to keep you from connecting with that love of God. We uh, have work to do, don't we? But thank God for the resources. Remember, the Holy Spirit, the game changer, will help us and guide us. Bow your heads with me, please. Dean and I are praying for you in this special season that the Lord Jesus will reveal himself to you as never before. That the enemy would not quench the light of the world. That you'd be fortified in your inner man. That the voice of fear would not stop you from accepting the holy, mighty, powerful, grace-given assignment that God has given you on any given day. Something only you can do. Would you ask the Lord to fortify you in your inner man? To break the grip of fear. Would you go on a journey to ask, is it true? To make a stand, I will trust in you when I am afraid. And I will walk forward. I will not run from my fears. I have every resource in the love of God to overcome. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for all of these, your precious sons and daughters. Spirit of God, give them bear witness in them. Mightily encourage them and strengthen them with might in their inner man. Give them tangible evidence today that will give them encouragement to trust you more. Seeing or not seeing, but trusting you more, knowing that always leads to more intimacy with you. Our holy assignment on this earth. Bless all of these, Lord. Protect them, protect their lives, their children, their work, their income. Bless them with everything they can handle and then increase their ability to handle more. May this be a season of mighty resource of mighty light, of the breaking down of barriers between families. Bring healing, Lord. Bring help. Let your love prevail. In the precious and holy name of Jesus. 
We love you and pray for you daily. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Go with God. He's going with you. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.